What's going on, everybody? And welcome to this episode of the Unlimited Podcast. You just put the needle on a really unique record album. Welcome. Keep this frequency clear. Here is a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. Ladies and gentlemen, keep this frequency clear. Please welcome. Exciting radio. What's going on, everybody? My name is Shagun McAdate, and this episode is going to be a little bit different than what I usually do. I'm really fortunate and honored to have uh, my friend Jaboa Miranda on today's podcast. I also want to thank you guys in advance for bearing with us with the audio. This was recorded live over Zoom, and so as you can imagine, uh, audio not the best, but we got through it, and for sure, you know, there was some internet issues a little bit uh as i was editing the podcast and getting it ready for today but um nonetheless i know that you guys will really enjoy uh our talk Uh, jaboa is a really articulate speaker and she's um very passionate about uh what she does and brings a lot of value through this podcast so i hope you guys um are able to take something from it and apply it to your life and you know grow so without further ado Enjoy. Great. All right, let's do this. So, Jaboa. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for hopping uh, on this podcast. It's good to catch up again because we talked earlier. And, uh, after many, many years. Yeah, after many yeah. years. So it's crazy to kind of like reconnect and catch yeah. up. When we've grown up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're real grown ups now. <laughs> Yeah, so it's um it's really exciting to to chat with you and um kind of let people know about your mindset and your story and your experiences. Um, and it's cool because you know I think that the way that you think and the way that you approach things is similar to the way that I approach things. Not only I think as an as an athlete, but as a person too. So I think that's pretty it's pretty dope. And uh, <laughs> I think it's the, it's the best approach, but I'm biased. Yeah, for sure. You know, heavily biased. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think I think that's pretty awesome. So um, for those of you who are listening, just a quick background. Uh, me and Jamal actually went to university together back in Ottawa. And you pretended you didn't know me, but yes, go on. Whoa. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. So, so that's funny. So explain that story. Explain that story. And I didn't even know. He was too cool back then, and now he's like extra super cool. But now he at least remembers me. Crazy. <laughs> so supposedly, I knew or I met you early, like earlier, like in our first year or something like that. Yeah. And then, like, just ignored your entire existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretended that never happened. There was no Taboa. <laughs> but then we ended up actually like taking a class together, marketing, and then doing a couple group projects together. So that was pretty cool. But you were never there for because you're always touring. Yeah, exactly. And I was never, I was never there because I was gone training. <laughs> you guys did the presentation without me, didn't you? Yes, and you showed up after we had delivered the presentation to ask how it went and what our grade was. I mean, you sound like such a bad student, but I was like actually really diligent and I was on it. <laughs> so, um, it's thank again, thanks for for hopping on. Um, yeah, so kind of give people a little bit of a background on who you are and then you know kind of what you're up to right now yeah cool 
So my name is Jaboa Miranda. I do work for myself full time. I'm in keynote speaking and management consulting in the mental health space, branding for small, medium sized businesses and digital marketing for small businesses. And outside of that, I run my own nonprofit, which is called Jaboa Miranda Foundation, Mm -hmm. which is focused on helping women who've been affected by suicide to get a university education and also to learn how to cope. So to learn coping skills. And I'm um, partnering with select universities in Canada um, on that. And then I also run In Her Blazer podcast, which is a podcast for for females, ambitious females who want a safe space to be vulnerable about the reality of being a woman today in terms of our personal lives and then being a woman in business and um, the roadblocks we face. So before that, before I went out on my own and jumped off a cliff, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what it is. Before that, I was working in the CPG industry. So I've been, I was in marketing for 11 years, but Mm -hmm. in the CPG industry for the the six before I went out on my own as a, as a full-time entrepreneur. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So that's the the boring stuff. Okay. the cool stuff is I like go. to I like to travel to like really cultural areas where like I can't speak the language and I'm super terrified. Oh, and yeah, seriously. Like when I go anywhere, I'm like, "Where's the tourist area?" Okay, I'm not going there. And then I go to the area that's for for the people who actually live in the city. They all stare at me weird. Like, who's this outsider? And then I just kind of immerse myself in trying to like blend, and I don't blend. So I love doing that. And I, um, I love anything that's adventurous or requires like an element of risk. So like, I'm super into that. <laughs> mm, I like yeah. that. That's dope. So wait, hold on. Yeah. Side note, where, where have you, where have you gone? So the cliche answer, like every tourist, especially women is Thailand. I've done that. Okay. Thailand was super fun. Super, super fun. But outside of that, I've gone to places like Dubai. Cool. I've gone to Colombia, like Bogota, Colombia, mm-hmm. and a few places there. And um, yeah, some other countries. Awesome. Yeah. So you started your foundation, but explain why. Yeah. So I started my, my foundation because when I was 16 and 17 years old, my two brothers, Ricardo and Isaac, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And at that time, and I'd argue still today, actually, Nobody would acknowledge it. Nobody would talk about it outside of my closest circle. And I, I was shamed and, and faced a lot of stigma around suicide and um, had to suffer in silence around that a lot. And then the reason I decided to start my foundation was because of, because of that suffering. And then when I put myself through university, I was fortunate enough to win a lot of scholarships. And the scholarships were a symbol at the time. It wasn't about the money. It was never, my whole life has never been about money. I'm what yeah. I, I don't know if anyone believes that, but I actually don't give a shit about money. I give a shit about purpose. So my, my life's never been about money. So when I would win scholarships, I'm like, sweet. But the scholarships meant everything to me because it was this random person or this group of people who read my application and out of 500 people said, this is the one mm-hmm. to take a chance on. So I wanted to start my foundation because I wanted to help other women to no longer have to deal with or accept that shame around losing somebody to suicide and also to give them the symbol of hope and that they're worth taking a risk on. So that's why I initially started that. And, and yeah, my foundation's twofold to one is to destigmatize suicide because in order to destigmatize it, we have to say it because I would equate, I would equate it to depression and anxiety, right? When people started talking about depression and anxiety, people, because of a lack of education and I, and why would you be educated on something if you don't care about it? But because of a lack of education, people thought if you said the word depression, it was like, it was like a cold, you were going to catch it. And 
And then companies, large companies started coming out and, and conditioning society to be okay with saying it and educating society on it to the point where people can talk about depression and anxiety without fear they're going to catch it. And right now, when it comes to suicide, we're in that transition period just at the beginning of it where when people say suicide they're like oh shit i'm gonna like become suicidal or now i'm gonna want to commit suicide and that is bullshit it's it's actually the opposite when you start talking about suicide you make people who are potentially thinking about it less suicidal you make people feel connected and not alone so it actually has the opposite effect but right now because of a lack of education people are so scared to say the word that they want to like shame people who've experienced it and my organization is about removing that shame by saying the word and by educating people on it and then helping women to develop the skills that they need to, to get into senior leadership positions instead of being stuck in middle management and business all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get really fired up about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really important. I think to like take the stigma off of something that can be seen by, you know, people as like a, like almost like a problem and uh, you actually mentioned something uh, on your, um, I think it's, I think, I think it was on your website that I, that I read it, which you said, you know, vulnerability can seem really scary, um, because especially because, you know, our society is is it, it is conditioned to see it as like, you know, a form of weakness, any type of like issue where you are not seen as complete or whole, in like at all times 110 percent right and you mentioned something and it's like well now you go from being like seen as like a person to being seen as like okay now you're a problem and you're labeled as like in this weird way you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think that's really interesting yeah and that's why honestly i was so terrified to tell people who weren't in my immediate circle about my brothers because mm-hmm. i i think i mentioned this to you before but I had worked so hard for so many years on building this image of Jaboa comes from a really great upper-class home. She, how could she not? She's so articulate and she's worked at great companies. She must come from this privileged life. Like I was really good at creating this like little Stepford image. Cause I was like, sweet. If you believe it, I'll like, I'll, like kick it with the rich kids. So I like worked so hard to build this image to be like, yes, I fit in. And then I would, and then when I decided, okay, I was starting my foundation. I'm like, the only way I can make an impact is by telling my story mm-hmm. to everyone. I was terrified because I was going to blow that image up. And I was scared that now people were going to be labeled, labeling me as like the suicide girl, which you know what, if you label me as that, it's totally fine. I'll accept that label now. But, but yeah, I was so scared of, of, I guess people shaming me mm-hmm. is what I would have been scared of. So, so I just, I was so like just petrified. And then once I blew that up and told everybody about it, the reverse happened. And so many people started messaging me about their own experiences and about like my courage, I suppose. And it wasn't something I was doing for courage or recognition. It was something I was doing because I felt like I needed to for everybody else. But yeah, so many people started coming out and telling me like their experiences with, with suicide or mental health issues or what have you. And um, I received a lot more love. So it was really cool. So like, what was your mindset when you were going through that and like realizing, because you mentioned how like you were talking, um, like this image that you had of yourself, this like, you know, this, this person, Jaboa Miranda, and then now all of a sudden it seems like it's going to be like shattered and like shrugged. Yeah. What was like, what was your mindset going through that? Number one. And then number two, after going through that and now having the response of people 
talking to you and, you know, opening up this house. Because you also mentioned in, a, in another podcast that you mentioned that you didn't want to be, um, you wanted people to feel sorry for you. Or you didn't want to be like, you didn't want people to be like, oh, you know. And you also mentioned, you know, even now, like, you didn't want to be like, oh, you know, Paul or like, you know, yeah. suicide girl type thing. So mm-hmm. kind of walk me through that. Yeah. Mindset. Okay. <laughs> so I would say a strength of mine is I'm able to compartmentalize very well. And that's a skill that I've learned. No skills are just you're born with. So I I learned that skill. And when I commit to something, I commit 100%. Unless it's like cliff diving, then I like, uh. (laughs) but (laughs) so certain situations, I have some hesitation, but for the most part, I commit 100%. So when I was going through this, I decided, okay, this was a time to create my foundation. And tomorrow I'm going to release my video on LinkedIn to announce to the world, the business world, that this is what I'm actually at least on all platforms, but LinkedIn was the scariest because LinkedIn is so image focused and like professional and glossy. So I was like, all right, I'll release it on LinkedIn. (laughs) And so when I was thinking about that, I was beyond terrified. And when I get terrified, when I become terrified, I want to throw up. My natural reaction is I would just throw up. So yeah, that's how my body responds to being terrified. So when it comes to the moment, I look great, but like that, the half hour, two days before, no. So yeah, I was going through that. I felt extremely terrified, but at no point did I waver because I am somebody who does what I feel is right, not what I feel is easy. So I will do things that are incredibly hard because I feel in my, my soul, I have to do it. Not I want to do it. I feel like I have to do it. And when it came to telling my story about, about suicide, I felt like I didn't want to do it. I felt like I had to do it because I was tired of seeing injustice. I was tired of the shame. I was tired of stigma and the lack of love in our community. So that, that desire to, and that, that feeling of being fueled by, I have to do this outweighed any, any fear that I had. So I posted it the next day. And I lost all the color in my face <laughs> and was trembling uncontrollably <laughs> because at the time I still had a day job. And the craziest thing was, okay, so I was so petrified, right? And I'm like, Ugh! and I was messaging all my friends being like, ah. so, <laughs> so <laughs> when I went into my office, cause I was working um, in brand management at that time, I remember just walking into the office and everything being like in slow-mo and me being like cold as hell. And everyone's staring at me, which I knew they saw my video. So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I'm like the outcast. And then went and sat down, freaking out. My friend at the time, she said, I saw your video. Like, I'm so sorry. You're amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And I started to feel better. And then throughout that day, I had people in my office. I was in an office of 300 people at that time. They were sending me emails, people I didn't even really know, or people I didn't know well or at all. They were sending me messages saying, I saw your video, this happened to me too. Well, not that situation, but I lost a best friend in university, or I lost somebody. And they're like, I, and I noticed, I noticed a massive shift. So before, because I, I was so good at creating this image, I would often have women who were very threatened of me. And just if I was nice, they would just shut it down. Like they had zero interest in just talking to me. And it was always threatened because they were threatened. And I noticed after I put out this video where I blew up their, their perception of me, 
they started treating me with more respect. And it was very interesting shift. I was like, you saw my video. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so I went through that, that moment of pure terror. But I chose to push through that and push through the fire, because I knew it was the right thing to do, regardless of how hard it was, or how, how hard I felt like it was in that moment and the moments leading up to it. (laughs) It's funny, because you mentioned I, there was a quote that I read last year, two quotes, actually. And the first (laughs) one was um, about speaking to vulnerability. And it kind of opened my eyes to it a lot, too, because I think for even as somebody, you know, and I think a lot of athletes can relate to this, especially now that the Olympics have been postponed a year. Mm-hmm. And there there are some athletes who are like, this is like they were riding on this. And like a lot of their image and self-image was formed around the Olympics. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the quote kind of went, um, the quote kind of went, the quote went, yes. uh, the quote went, you know, vulnerability is not like a, it's not, um, oh man, I'm messing up the quote right now. It's <laughs> horrible. What is your oh. version of this quote? <laughs> yeah, let me paraphrase. Essentially. <laughs> Nicole saying, you know, vulnerability is not like about, you know, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just having the courage to be who you really are, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about it, and it's and it's really interesting because when somebody is who they really are, now all of a sudden people can connect with them a lot better, right? And the people who we all know and respect and, and admire, and I'm sure you have your own, you know, your own, I don't, I don't want to say heroes, but people who you respect, you respect them because they are who they are, and that's yeah. it, yes. right? You know, good or bad you know, mm-hmm. professional, non-professional, you respect mm-hmm. them because they are not trying to fake anything and they're not trying to present anything to you. They're like, this is who I am. You're going to take it or leave it. And whether you take Absolutely. it or leave it, I don't care. Yes. Right? And then, so it's funny how when you did that, it was a scary moment for you, for sure, 110%, right? But once you did it, then all of a sudden you had this different response, right? Yes. From people who were coming up to you and being like, okay, I, I see who you are now and, and I respect that. Right. And that's scary for us because I don't think we even know necessarily like how to do that and how to step like into like, I don't want to say into stepping the vulnerability, but how to like step. I would say that. Yeah. 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 Because I, and I believe 1000% in the power of vulnerability. And I think there's a lot of power in it because you're right. There is a misconception that vulnerability equals weakness and that's bullshit for men and for women because mm-hmm. women, men, you listen up. Women ah. find <laughs> no because women find men the sexiest when they're most vulnerable. This is oh. true across the board. Hey, hey, women yeah, do when you show up all perfect, great clothes, great hair, whatever. My life's fabulous. It's so unattractive. But when you it show up, it gets you in the door. <laughs> it gets you in the door. I live and breathe vulnerability. That's just part of me, and I do that when I um, work in the mental health space and when I work in branding and digital marketing, it's all about vulnerability. But um, I really noticed that when I've chosen to be vulnerable, it leads me to want to be even more vulnerable because when I step into my vulnerability, other people become vulnerable with me and we develop deep connections and I develop deep connections with strangers everywhere. Mm. And I love it. And I feel like I never would have had this much love in my life. And I say it's love because that's what it is. When you show yourself to someone, and they show themselves back to you that's love I've never had this much in my life if I didn't strip away my image and so I was living before that I was living I guess in a place of insecurity because I wanted to fit in I wanted to fit in with these one percenters and then when I just blew it up and I said here's me I loved myself more and then 
everybody else offered me love and the right people offered me love and the people who don't are the people I don't want in my circle. Ooh, that's, so, cr- that's crazy. That's deep. You know what you, you, know what you just said? You just said that when you try to create an image to fit in with the 1%, but as you're saying it, you know, I, I was realizing, you know, people who actually step into their vulnerability and who become vulnerable are actually the 1%. Because everybody else is trying to do and be an image to be the 1%. Mm-hmm. 1% of the 1% because True. they're vulnerable. And so True. it's backwards. It's actually True. the opposite. Drop the bomb right there. You just drop the bomb. That's awesome. I love it. I didn't mean to interrupt, actually. I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> No, I like so how you cool. paraphrase. You're a good paraphraser. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yeah. And then I think something else that you mentioned too that I really, really liked was um, about doing doing something despite how hard it was. I, I'm, I'm yes. also probably messing that up as well. But, you know, you're, you, I, I, actually, I wrote it down here. You know, you, you said you you felt like doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Like, this is what I have to do, so I'm going to do it, regardless of how hard it was. And yeah. so... And, and and this is the second quote. This is this is a guy who happens to be um actually a billionaire. And so and he mentioned and he mentioned this quote and it was like the quote that hit me um pretty hard. It didn't hit me pretty hard, but it just made me think a lot. And he said, you know, he's like, I'm where a lot of people want to be because I'm willing to do what they don't want to do. Man, okay. I kinda he, get it. I kinda get he, it. <laughs> essentially he was saying that he's he's willing to do what people don't want to do when they know that they should do it. And that's why he's where they want to be. Yes. Yes. That's what it was. Thank you for helping me out with that. <laughs> but that's, that's, but that was a quote. And um, it was a, it was a really like powerful quote when I, when I heard it, cause I'm like, you know, for a lot of people look at the success and, you yeah. know, even getting through obstacles and, and, and trials and, and things like that. And they're, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how, how, or you know, how do people do it or, or, you know, why sometimes it's not about kind of how you feel in a moment, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't feel like doing anything when, when you really think about yeah. it. Right. But yeah. it's a matter of like, you know, making the decision and making the choice to like, OK, this is what I have. This is what I have to do. And like, it sucks. Absolute. Like, you know, balls to do this right and so but I, I have I have to do it and so even if it's doing it like step by step like not all at once but taking those small steps I don't know the steps that you took to you know um even yeah. the steps to you know overcome uh the suicide of, of your brothers or even step out into launching you know your nonprofit. kind of take me through like just doing doing those steps yeah so I've always been a visionary. That's just who I am. And ever since I was a little kid, I always had a five-year plan when nobody else in my family did. Okay. I was that kid. And I thought I was, so I was, I thought I was always weird growing up. And now I love my weirdness. And I'm like, so, but but growing up, I always thought I was weird because I didn't do the things that the masses did. I didn't care about shopping and these parties in school. I cared about studying and wearing blazers when I was 15. So I was always a little bit different. And I thought for a long time, like I hated being different because I think everyone wants to fit in at the end of the day. And it's only until you become, well, grow into your adulthood and your maturity that you realize being different is awesome. And it's the greatest gift not to fit in. But so I always had a five-year plan and I've always been incredibly organized and obsessed with education because education for me gave me opportunity and education Mm -hmm. gave me a way out and it gave me hope. So I was always into school because when I got an A, 
it was the most validating thing I had ever experienced in my life. And it just felt unreal to me. So I would want to get more A's and to be the best at something and even sports. So I grew up playing sports too. Definitely not your level, but I grew up playing sports. <laughs> <laughs> and I was good back then. I was captain okay, of the girl, you okay, girl, okay, okay. I was good. <laughs> so <laughs> I played my sports being the captain. And I would be a little crusty if I wasn't chosen to be captain. So I'd work harder to be captain. Um, but I always had a plan. And when I lost my brothers, I became, I think, more focused than I had ever been in my life because I made a promise to myself that this was not going to deter me from my goals and this was not going to ruin my life. So it gave me this push of survival and focus where then I became hyper aware of what I need to do to get the hell out of this situation. So I would clamp down on working and I would focus on my grades and working my job to save money for university and Mm -hmm applying to all these universities and applying for all these scholarships to fund it. Cause I put myself through school. No one in my family would ever be in a position to help me get through school. And I graduated high school early and all these things. So I became extremely, extremely focused and organized and diligent about what I was doing. And I always like to manage many different things at once. And it was only later when I realized I was an entrepreneur, I didn't realize that before but I always loved to go to school full time and have a job and volunteer and work out and all these things and manage all of it. Cause it was just really fun and exciting, but yeah, I just became very, very focused and I would think about my future, where I want to end up. And then I would, I would reverse engineer that to make what I have to do today to end up there later. So I did that when I lost my brothers because I said like, oh, this, this is not going to derail me. My plan was to end up in Toronto. My plan was to get a university education. This is not part of the plan. So I was like, okay, what's the plan? How am I going to do this? And then mm-hmm. I just attacked the plan. And then I did that later in my life. So when, it, when I, I knew I was going to launch my nonprofit when I was 21, 22, but it was just a matter of when. And then in my mid-20s, I, was, I realized, okay, I need to, I need to do this. And then I was like, I also need to make sure I eat at the end of the day because I'm not making money from a nonprofit. So I decided to launch my own business as well and go out on my own because I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. A lot of entrepreneurs hold themselves back or, or people hold themselves back from jumping into entrepreneurship because other people keep telling them they're too young and your age has nothing to do with it because It's all about your experience. I have been getting experience in mental health since I was 13. When I lost my brother to suicide at 16, that's life experience. You don't learn that reading a textbook. That's bullshit. You need to have experience and a story and believe in yourself more than everybody else. So yeah, I became hyper-focused and then I decided, okay, I'm going to do a nonprofit. And because I'm a nerd, I like to do all my research and I like to listen to podcasts for like a year, but like, okay, how do I do it? And then I, I would look up people on LinkedIn, see who looked cool and then hit them up to go for coffee and learn from them and be honest about, I want to do this. How did you do that? And then once I felt like I had the foundation and the baseline skills to do it, then the rest is insignificant because I be, go into my hyper-focus mode where all I think about is I'm going to attack this. I'm going to win probably how you feel as an athlete. And, um, and then I just go and then everyone else's self doubt or negativity. I don't care. I just tune it out. It's only your own self doubt that you have to control. Mm. I wanted to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned. I think it was pretty cool. One was 
and big one, you know, is kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone. And a lot of people hold themselves back with what other people are telling them. You have to expand your comfort zone. It, like, and, it, and it never, ever stops like expanding. Like everybody has a certain like parameter of like where their comfort zone extends to, right? So someone like, you know, Jeff Bezos, 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 whatever. Right? <laughs> like uh, his is huge, right? For compared, yeah. to, compared to mine, for example. And so he's doing stuff that's like his circle is like 10 times the size of my circle. And so I have to figure out a way to continually like expand my circle if I want to kind of get to where he is, where mm-hmm. stuff that he's, stuff that, you know, I'm doing right now to him is like, I, this is way within my comfort zone. Right. And so I had to continue to push my boundaries. So for you, I want you to speak to that a little bit in terms of like, okay, how did you then kind of, I mean, and you mentioned it in terms of your process of going through and talking to people. And I'm kind of the same way of like, kind of, okay, I got to establish background, chat, talk, read, think about it, plan, replan, <laughs> replan again, <laughs> and kind of go through yeah. that. But stepping outside your comfort zone, um, any, I want you to speak to that in terms of like, okay, what, how, how did you do it? How, how did you take that step? How do you continue to push your own comfort zone? Right. Yeah. To, like, to, to make it bigger, I think even now with your your, your foundation and you know your business, speak to that for it. I'm gonna get ahead of myself. I'm getting too excited. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's like me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how do I keep pushing myself? Yeah. Pushing how, do you, how do you keep pushing your boundaries and kind of speak to that? You know, I think a lot of people, um, yeah, they hold they hold themselves back because they're not yep. willing to step outside the comfort zone. So I can totally speak to that. So. You're never 100% comfortable or confident, ever. So okay. that's an illusion. <laughs> and I think it depends on where you are. What's very interesting, and I'll talk about how I expand my, my comfort zone because I do. But what was really interesting for me, actually, when I decided to start my business in nonprofit, and it's the, fir- it's the first time I've ever experienced in my entire life, I'd never mm. experienced this before, is when I decided to kick off my nonprofit and my business, both concurrently, everything was taking off quicker than I thought it would. And I was starting to have a fear of success. And I had never in my entire life feared success. I always thought like, hell yeah, I'm going to be successful. Woo, CEO. But I had started, I started to fear success and that scared the hell out of me. Cause I was like, oh shit, I'm one of these people. And, and I had to learn how to combat that. I had to start shifting my mind and it is a mindset. I agree with you. Like I had to start shifting my mind. So what I would do is sometimes I would do visualization, which I know a lot of athletes do. I'd do visualization of where I want to end up. And I'll just start to, I have a very creative mind and I see things very vividly in my mind. So I would lie there with my eyes closed and think about where I wanted to end up and where I am now. And I would start to, what I say, like declutter my mind. So I would start to feel the tension of, okay, what I, what I picture when I went through fear and success is I would picture myself somebody like pushing me forward and me trying to like stop myself with my heels on this on the concrete so I'm like trying to stop myself as they're pushing me forward that's how I felt and so I had to I realized that and I had to just open myself up and just because that's self-doubt I think and that's insecurity so I had to think about okay can I do this and then when I started to play back can I do this and use examples of when when I have done this and succeeded then I started to let go of that tension and that, that I guess anxiety and that apprehension to move forward and started to clear that out of my mind. And then I started to have more of an abundance mindset. 
because I just, since I am such a planner, I had in my mind this two year plan and everything started to, to run so much quicker. And I'm like, Oh my God, am I ready? Like, ah, this is so scary. I want to build slow, build, slow, build. So I'm like <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> Cause I was like, mentally, I was like, okay, it'll be a slow build. And then when I was just like thrown off the cliff, I'm like, this isn't a slow build. So I had to just, I had to clear the mental roadblock I was putting in my mind to allow myself to embrace the opportunities because they were coming and it's a good thing that they were coming. So I do continue to push myself past my boundaries and I'll be super terrified every time I do it. Absolutely. And the interesting thing about me. Okay. So when I'm really nervous, I, my face is not my best friend. When I'm really nervous, I have RBF. I get really serious. Yeah, I get really serious. <laughs> and my face looks like a looks like a 50 year old CEO who just like is ready to go into their shareholders meeting and like tear things up. So my face looks like that when I'm nervous. So it's a blessing and a curse because people don't realize I'm nervous, but I'm like secretly freaking out. But then I'm like, Oh, yeah, shit, smile. <laughs> so I do. And even during COVID right now, I am pushing myself to expand my capacity. And I'm mm. pushing myself to be un- continue being uncomfortable. Um, it's hard. COVID's hard. I don't think anyone's on their A game right now. And if someone says they are, they're lying. So we're all a couple levels down from where we would typically if we were allowed to leave our houses. And I do continue to push myself. So I will set up meetings with, so example, I set up a meeting with the vice president of people at Second Cup the other day. We, we had a video chat and, or I'll talk to like, um, like, the chief diversity inclusion person from KPMG. Like I, I talk to heavy hitters so that I get comfortable talking to more heavy hitters. And yesterday, for example, was a new milestone for me. I had to go into this video meeting with the whole, this whole team at Schulich business school and pitch my foundation to them. And it was like a, it was like an investor's meeting. They came at me with all these questions, like pointed questions and you have to not look like an a-hole on your face. So I had to go into that and I'm super nervous before. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Like when I get nervous, I'm like, I, I wonder if I'll just like throw up in front of them. So I'm like, you know what? If it does, it'll be, a- <laughs> that's where I go. Right. So that's where- So then I'm like, you know what? If that happens, that'll be funny. <laughs> it'll be extremely Yeah. It'll be an interesting story that every one of them tells their family later, later on about this girl who like threw up on the screen. But so I get nervous and I am nervous, but in order to work through that, I bring it back to being, cred- to being incredibly present because when you're incredibly present and in the moment and engaged with whomever you're speaking to, your nerves dissipate because your nerves start to elevate and anxiety starts to elevate when you ruminate about what you're about to do, how big the opportunity might be, how, oh shit, if I screw this up, I screwed up the whole thing. So that's where the anxiety and stress starts to come in. So in to counter that, I become incredibly present hmm. about this experience. And when someone's speaking to me, I 100% listen to what they're speaking to, they're speaking about, so that I don't start ruminating. And that's how I control it. And then even when I'm doing um, a public speaking gig or something like that, I'm incredibly present. Because when I'm present, 100% present, I experience the most amount of joy that I have ever experienced or will ever experience. It's when we start to let our minds go off the rails that we actually ruin the experience for ourselves. 
so I'm constantly pushing myself to be outside my comfort zone with doing bigger gigs or talking to really heavy hitters or pitching in meetings where I don't know how I'm going to be attacked or if I'm going to be attacked. And um, yeah, it's scary, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes because you're like, I've done this. And then, mm-hmm. and then too, right. You start to predict behavior because when you're doing gigs, you predict questions or you predict um, how people re- react to certain things you say, or um, when I'm pitching either my business or my nonprofit, I predict what, what things they might poke at or whatever. So I'm ready and being ready, being prepared allows you to be more confident. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Did I answer your question? No, you did. You know, you found okay. so much value there. That was, that was awesome. And you know, funny thing, another thing, one thing you mentioned, and I, I like this. And as I'm talking, it's slipping my mind. So hold on, let me let me get it. Let me get it. <laughs> let me get it. It's coming back. It's coming back. You mentioned about being present in yes. the moment, which I think is really key because I think a lot of people forget about yes. how 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 crucial that is in terms of not like focusing on something in the future that like you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, that meeting that you had, like, yesterday, congrats, by the way, that's awesome. Thanks. Right, like, that meeting that you had yesterday, like, I mean, you know what you want to happen, but you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, being present is, well, a coping skill, too. It's a way to manage anxiety or stress or any other potential negative thought. It's a coping skill, and it's a coping skill you have to learn, and you learn Mm -hmm. by doing, and you learn by doing consistently, so everything I do, I practiced for over 15 years. It didn't just come overnight because in my early 20s, after I had lost my brothers, I was so angry. And I, I didn't know how not to be because I, I didn't know how not to be. And I didn't quite understand why I'm so angry. Like I get it lost. Yeah. But like, I didn't understand how not to be angry. So I made it my mission to learn how to not be angry. Because when I was angry, I was robbing myself of having a good life. No one else, it doesn't affect anybody else. It poisons me and it poisons my experience. And I didn't want that poison anymore. I wanted to be free. So I used to, well, I studied psych, psychology alongside business, but I started researching happiness and how to be happy and all these things. And I'd try everything like a a weirdo. And because I was just on a mission, I was on a mission to be happy so I could be free and to be the happiest, and I've learned this, to be the truly the happiest, you have to be at peace. You have to be at peace with you. And you have to accept you. You have to accept the flaws. You have to accept the parts where you're so scared for anybody to see it because that is, that is unconditional love. And when you give yourself unconditional love, you're at peace and you are the happiest. You're free. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get through like you mentioned you were really angry like yeah like why but like what 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 caused you to be so angry how, how did you how did you work through that that mm-hmm. anger the issue of anger and mm-hmm. i guess loss as well mm-hmm. and how did you kind of flip that and turn that into like a positive for you yeah i think a lot of people can relate because i think okay so i think a lot of people go through periods where they're angry i do mm-hmm. and where my anger came from was a feeling of injustice and this being unfair so that's why I was actually really angry and I learned that later in life but I was really angry because I felt like this was just so unfair this was so unfair like I I just felt like I didn't deserve it and it was so unfair that people got to experience university on like cloud nine and like woo, I'm out of my parents house like 
free <laughs> and I didn't and I I would try and I would try very hard in school and I realized I couldn't I couldn't ever mess up because this was my only option I've only ever had plan a I can't afford to have a plan b I only have plan a and plan a has to work so I was angry because I felt it was so unfair that I was like being robbed of this experience to enjoy university just be free screw up alongside everyone else and just go on my way. And instead mm. that was my reality that in my reality is I was suffering so badly and nobody could relate to me and everyone I dated, they, the guys never went through anything similar. So it's like when you would date somebody, they're supposed to be your best friend and your best friend can't understand you. So it's like you continue to feel alone all the time. And I think that loneliness and that feeling of unfair just led to anger because you were actually really hurt and really sad because anger is a secondary emotion. So you're just really hurt and really sad. Hmm. So in order to overcome that anger and that suffering, you had to heal that. And in order to heal yourself, you had to feel it. You had to allow yourself to just cry that day or you had to allow yourself to just be upset or, or to be like, yeah, this is unfair. And I get to have a moment where I'm like, yeah, this really sucks this really freaking sucks. So I allowed myself to feel it. And over time, allowing myself to feel it led to me feeling it. And then eventually that anger went away because I started to love myself more and I started to accept it. And once I accepted my situation and I've accepted all of my situations, I was free. I freed myself of that anger. But as long as you hold on to the victim mentality or of this is so not fair, why me, this sucks, everyone has it easier, you're going to be angry, and you're going to hurt, and you're going to suffer, and you're going to ruin your life for this amount of time that you choose to continue being angry. It's when you stop being angry, and just accept your situation, that you'll actually be a lot happier. And everyone has stuff, like, that's what I also reminded myself is, we all have stuff that we've suffered over, and Every single human being on the planet, even if they look like they're from this perfect home, have experienced trauma. Trauma is along a sliding scale, but every single human being has experienced trauma, has insecurities, and at points doesn't feel like they're enough. So we're actually more connected than we are disconnected. Mm -hmm. I think people forget that side of like of things. It's it's really important to like I say like sit with it, right, and like just mm -hmm. like sit in it mm -hmm. and just like let it all kind of happen. Because, you yeah. know, I think we've all had, like you mentioned, you know, we've all had our experience. I've had my own as well. And, you know, yeah. And those moments absolutely just like, they're, they're, they're the freaking worst. You know what I mean? Like you can't, yes. and, you, and you feel like you can't do anything mm -hmm. about it. But part of the problem is feeling like you can't do anything about it. You can. It just, just sucks. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's the worst. Like sobbing in the dark for an hour sucks. So like... The other part of it, right? So, okay, so doing that, allowing yourself to feel your pain and just being in it for a bit with, within parameters because you don't want to just be sad for all sure. the time. Yeah, let it run amok. Yeah, so you need parameters. Like, I'm so structured, it's ridiculous. Like, if I'm going to be sad, I'm like, I'll be sad from 3 to 5 p.m. So that's how I work. Like, I'm like, structured. Okay, my sad time is this time. So I have <laughs> designated sad time and you feel it and you move on and get back to your life, your the rest of your life. But and that's vulnerability. Allowing yourself to feel it is vulnerability. It's tapping mm. into your own vulnerability and accepting it. But another 
reason why people often don't want to even acknowledge that they're hurting is that because they're scared they they can't overcome it so a lot of people yes a lot of people are afraid to even go there to their pain point because they feel like if they tap into that and allow themselves to feel that pain it's going to overwhelm them and they will drown and they won't they will not they will overcome it but the fear is so great of drowning in it that people want to just live in denial about it not not acknowledge that something happened yeah, yeah and, I'm, and i'm the same way like we have this thing in track and field and my coach actually um one of my first coaches he, he told he told me this really early I'm um, so like, I have a short memory. And so it's like, you know, good race, either good or bad, you take a period of time to either enjoy it, celebrate it, or like, you know, if you want to be sad or upset, then be sad or upset as well. And it's like, so I like, I gave myself like 24 hours. You know, if it was a, if it, maybe if it was a good race, I'd probably give myself a little bit longer. But like, <laughs> <laughs> if it was a bad race, it's like, I right, 24 hours, like, I, I, I could, I could, you know, I could down about that you know whatever i do whatever i need to do to like get upset and all that stuff and then it's over so i think that's a really good way to approach it of like you know yeah it's, it's good it's good to be structured in that sense because like you mm-hmm. say you need parameters around that stuff because mm-hmm. you don't like they're like a wild animal it's gonna, it's gonna get crazy yes and then you will feel like you're drowning even though you're not yes. and then you'll just drown yourself <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and I- and I think that's what people think, but what we have to remember is we're always in control of ourselves. We're always in control of ourselves mm. at every single moment. So when we're choosing to feel sad or feel happy, we're in control of that. Mm. And we just have to teach ourselves to put structure around and to put our own boundaries around whatever it is so that we maintain control of our minds because we're always in control of our mind. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, but we are. And we can train our minds, I think, a certain way and we can train our mind to be at peace and we can train our mind to be calm or quiet. It just takes practice and consistency and you just have to commit to it. Um, okay. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, this is, this has been absolutely like just amazing. I, I like, I could, I can do this for like the entire day. I love this. <laughs> um, but I, w- I want to be respectful of your time. So um, let people know, uh, yes. where they can find you, how they can get connected to um, your organization or you, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so to get in contact with me, we can visit my website, jaboamiranda.ca and jaboa is spelled J-E-B-O-A-H. Miranda, you can figure that out. Or you can add me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm at jaboamiranda or send me an email to info at jaboamiranda.ca and I'm always open to connecting. I love people. I love community so if you want to connect connect and if you were to go back and give yourself like or someone out there um like one piece of advice that you know for you is stuck out in terms of like i guess your life so far um mm-hmm. what would that the greatest one i can think of if i could go back and tell myself or tell anybody who's in a similar situation or a situation where they're struggling i would tell them that you are enough because that is something that took me far too many years to realize. But I would tell that person or any of you, if you're going through it, that you are absolutely 100% enough. That's awesome. Jibola, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> it's been absolutely amazing. It's been great. You got to do this again. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks a lot for listening. If you like the podcast, I'm just going to ask you to please like and subscribe, share with your friends, family, um, business, uh, coworkers, whoever it is. 
and um yeah really appreciate your ears thanks for listening thanks for taking the time um out of your day i really hope this uh, provide a lot of value for you and um until next time peace